And in the message today, we're going to talk about living daily with a heart of generosity. Generosity. If there's one quality we as believers should have and we should be known for is generosity. We should be, we should be the most generous people in this area. Christians should be the most generous people throughout the country and throughout the world. There's things that we should do that don't make sense to the world why we do them. Just to be clear, what we're talking about today is generosity in all things, in all things, living a life of generosity. Today, typically, when we hear generosity, we think about money, but that is not all there is to it. Generosity is pretty countercultural as we live in a society where you never have enough of everything. It's always more money. It's always more stuff. It's always more success. Contentment is not talked about very often, nor lived out, especially during the Christmas season, ironically. Isn't it funny how Christmas is supposed to be such a joyous and happy time of year, but traffic increases, and so does your road rage. I've been following you some this week. I know. And some of you have been following me. You have to wait in lines as twice as long as they normally are. And you always seem to pick the line where the person in front of you picked an item without a tag. It only happened to me twice this week. You're stressed because you're trying to find the perfect gift, especially for a mom, who is the hardest to shop for. Dad is content with a flannel shirt, but mom will always be a mystery. Did anyone buy their dad's flannel shirt? I'm sure they're going to enjoy it. Tammy Forrester wrote a post this week on, on Facebook, and uh, uh, I didn't ask for permission to share it because she's not here today. So that's why you have to come or else I share your stuff on Facebook. No. <laughs> Her and Annie had to pick up their, their son from the airport, so I guess it's okay. But uh, I wanted to share this. Was, this was so good. Uh, she said, my children, she, she, she wrote this to her three boys. She said, my children each year ask me the same question. <clears throat> After thinking about it, I decided to give them the real answer. What do I want for Christmas? She says, I want you. I want you to keep coming around. I want you to bring your kids around. I want you to ask me questions. Ask me advice. Tell me your problems. Ask for my opinion. Ask for my help. I want you to come over and rant about your problems. Rant about life, whatever. Tell me about your job, your worries, your wife, your kids, your pets. I want you to continue sharing your life with me. Come over and laugh with me or laugh at me. I don't care. Hearing you laugh is music to me. 
I spent the better part of my life raising you the best way I knew how. And I'm not bragging, but I did a pretty darn good job. Now give me time to sit back and admire my work. I'm pretty proud of it. I wouldn't want it any other way. I want you to spend your money making a better life for you and your family. I have the things I need. I want to see you happy and healthy. When you ask me what I want for Christmas, I say nothing because you've already been giving me my gift all year. I want you. Is that awesome or what? That should be published. And uh, really spoke to my heart this past week. And, you know, when you become a parent, uh, you realize a lot of things are no longer about you. You realize life is no longer about you. You, you realize that accumulating stuff is not what it's about. And the joy that you see from your kids during Christmas is worth everything. When you live a generous life and pour into others for decades, it's nice to take a step back and see the fruits of your hard work, like Miss Tammy and Mr. Andy, who have been kind of like parents to me as well out here. When you see your sacrifice and dedication and it paying off on the faces of your family and friends, it makes you realize that living a generous life is all worth it. Now, don't get me wrong. People in this life will take advantage of your generosity. Family and friends and those who say they, they love you and care for you will take advantage of your generosity. But I encourage you to not let that stop you from being generous. Because even though some people may take advantage of that throughout your life, you'll see in the long run it was worth living a generous life and being a generous person. You guys know, have you heard the, read the book, The Giving Tree? Raise your hand if you are familiar with this story. All right, about half of you. The other half, you need to get out a little bit more. You need to get to Books a Million or something. The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, one of my favorite books. Um, my parents used to read this to me. I remember my first grade teacher, Miss Kovar. I love that lady. She used to always read this to me. Now, the picture on the back of the book, Shell, always freaked me out just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, couldn't they pick a better picture? That's okay. But let me give you just a cliff note version of this book. I would love to read it to you, but we don't have uh, enough time. But it's a tree that loved a little boy so much, the boy would take the leaves and make them into a crown. He would climb her trunk and swing on her branches and, and eat, her eat her apples and play hide-and-go-seek, and he would sleep in her shade. And the tree loved it, and the tree loved this little boy. The boy got older and didn't come by very much. One day the boy wanted some money and, and came by, and the tree said, take my apples and sell them in the city. So he did. 
The boy stayed away for a long time again, and the tree was sad. The boy came back and wanted to build a house, so the tree gave him her branches. The boy stayed away for a while, came back, and wanted a boat. The tree told the boy to cut down her trunk and make a boat. After a long time, the boy came back again and was old and tired and just needed some rest. So the tree gave him her stump to rest. And when he sat down, the tree was happy to be able to give one more time to the boy she loved so much. When you are generous, you are the one that is truly blessed. When you continue to sow seeds of generosity, you will reap seeds of generosity, generosity throughout this life and in heaven forever. If you want to live a generous life, you have to look at the one who was the author of generosity, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They always have existed. And there was a time that there was never, never them. And they were so loving and so generous that they wanted to share in that generosity. They wanted to share in that love, that perfect love relationship they have for one another. And so they created you and me. And in scripture, we see incredible acts of generosity that God has done in providing for his people time and time and time again. And then we see the ultimate act of generosity by Jesus giving himself for the payment of our sins so we didn't have to carry them. And so we could be with him forever. You may say you're a generous person, you may be. But until you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will not experience full generosity for yourself and you will only be able to give so much of yourself to others until you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In his farewell message to Ephesus, Paul says that when he goes through Jerusalem, he has no idea what will face him or whether he will make it out alive. But the Holy Spirit was leading him to Jerusalem, so he knew that he should go. Paul was compelled by the Spirit to go and lived with emotional fervency and a sense of urgency as he knew time was short and people were dying without Jesus. I always want to be led by the Spirit. I want my family to be led by the Spirit. We want to live with passion and urgency. I'm passionate about a lot of things. But the, most, the, the thing that I'm most passionate about for is, is Jesus. And the most passionate thing I'm about is sharing the gospel with others. 
hearing people's stories, sitting down with them. And if they don't know Jesus, I want their story to intertwine with Jesus' story. And if they do know Jesus, it is such an encouragement. So I want to turn to Acts 20. We're going to be in NIV. We're just going to put the scripture reference up because there's a lot of verses I'm going over. So if you have the Bible app or your Bible, uh, turn to Acts 20. And we're going to start with verse 19. With verse 19. Acts 20, 19 through 38. And this is Paul speaking. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, and that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from our own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I have never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or anything. You yourselves know these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Paul is the 
epitome of what living a generous life is all about. People who don't know if they will live or die talk about what is most important to them. Admittingly, Paul talks about a variety of things in this chapter, but one thing that was on his heart was generosity. When you know you don't have much time left, isn't it amazing how generous people will be? Craig Sager, the beloved sideline reporter who passed away this week of a rare form of, of cancer. I've been watching a lot of videos of him this week, and, and if you watch the NBA and on TNT, uh, he was the guy that always wore these awful jackets. I mean, they were like the brightest and ugliest things you could ever see. And he's like, all, he always tried to like outdo himself every single game. And uh, I remember one, one player, Kevin Garnett, said uh, after an interview, he said, man, you better burn that jacket. Don't ever, anyone ever see you in that thing again. Um, but one of the things that they said about Craig Sager is he had battled cancer for quite a while this past year or so. And he took some time off, and then he came back, and, you know, he lost a bunch of his hair and lost a bunch of his weight, and, and those jackets were just, like, so big on him. But people said that he never asked, why me? He never asked, why me? And always made time for people, and always made people feel important, always made people feel special, always went out of his way to make sure that life was about other people and not himself. So if we want to get to the end of our lives and have no regrets, if we want to stay in line with the direction of Scripture, if we want to have a happy, joyful, and fulfilling life, we have to be generous in all things every day. So I want to talk about four ways to be generous, and then I'll be done. Number one, be generous with our time. Generous with our time. And we're not going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some, some verse references up here, but we're not going to go through these verses. Just going to do a quick overview, but you can write them down, go through them this week. And, and I just encourage you to write, write these verses, and, and this week just read these four verses. And just ask God, God, how are you speaking to me about generosity? In Mark 2, 1 through 3, is four men who brought a paralytic man to Jesus, who saved him from his sins, and his body was healed. So Jesus is in Capernaum. There's a crowd of people that comes into a house to hear Jesus teach. For the four men, they were generous with their time. Because have you been, ever been in a rush somewhere and then someone comes and distracts you? Parents with little kids, this happens every single day. Isn't it amazing how it usually takes at least 20 minutes to get everyone in the car? I don't know how that works. 20 minutes. You at least need 20 minutes every single time. So these men are going, they hear that, that Jesus is coming, and they want to go see him. They want to hear him. 
maybe receive a blessing. And then they come across this guy who is in a dire situation. And they have a choice to say, well, this guy is, is needs, needs Jesus, but, but so do we, and, and, and we got to get going. And, and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people around us. You know, there's a big crowd. I'm sure someone's going to help this guy. How many times do we get opportunities throughout the day to be generous to someone, and we pass the buck? And we say, well, I'm in a hurry, and I'm sure there'll be someone else that will help this person. What about someone with a flat tire? When's the last time you helped someone with a flat tire? So it would have been inconvenient to take this guy to see Jesus. The house was crowded. They had to wait to see Jesus outside the house. And so they take, they take this guy. When they realized that they wouldn't get in by waiting, they improvised. And they dug a hole in the roof and lowered the man in. I want to say, don't do that here. Because that would be expensive to fix. And there's plenty of ways to get in here. But by being generous with their time, it changed this man's life. And he was healed. You know, the vision here at the bridge is giving life by giving Christ. And when you are generous with someone, you are giving them life. You are being Jesus to that person. So I encourage you to continue to do that because this man's life was changed. Do you know one simple act of generosity could change someone's life forever? Wouldn't that be awesome to be a part of that? God may be calling you to cut someone's grass who can't do it themselves. God may be telling you to pick up groceries for an elderly person who, who can't do that by themselves. Maybe someone needs a ride to church. And God wants you to pick them up, give them a ride because they have, don't have a vehicle. Maybe you're generous, you serve at church even though you have a demanding job. Even though you work 50, 60 hours a week, you say, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give to my church. I'm going to serve somewhere in my church. Half of our campus is made up of young families. Parents, I'm right with you and know how exhausting these years are. Listen, we're probably not going to get enough sleep until they're in junior high. Just saying. So just prepare yourselves. But you will never, actually, and then when they come in junior high, then you're probably not going to sleep because you're too worried about them. And then when they're in high school, they're going to go on dates. And you're not going to go to bed until they come home. So probably, I'd have never. Never, you're not, you're, listen, when you're a parent, you're never going to get enough sleep anymore. That's just the way it is. I did see, uh, uh, or someone's telling me a funny, funny story about um, a dad who was waiting his, for his daughter to get home from work. And just to make sure that she wouldn't sneak up to into her room, he put a bunch of bubble wrap on the floor so he would hear when she walked in. Just an idea for some of you. Uh, I do want to show this picture uh, that I have right here of my friend Tim. And uh, those are his, uh, his, his uh, two kids, and he's got another one on the way. One of my best friends from childhood. We had a great conversation this week, and, and God's really doing some incredible things in his life. 
He is, uh, he works for a de defense consulting firm in Washington, D.C., and has a very demanding job and works very long hours and is in traffic every single day for a very long time. And I'm about ready to experience that as well. But uh, this is a picture that his wife posted the other day, and I just want to brag on him. Um, they don't know I was going to share, but they're not here. So, hey, once again, <laughs> come to church, or you'll be a sermon illustration. Um, <clears throat> but this was a picture that his wife posted this week. And if you notice, Tim is in his suit, ice skating with his kids after work. Parents, you will never regret being generous with your time with your kids. I know there's a lot that needs to be done. Dads, we find a lot of meaning in bringing home a paycheck. We find a lot of meaning by, you know, getting recognized at work and getting raises. But I tell you what, we will never get this time back again. The cat's in the cradle, man. If you do not, and I'm preaching the preacher, if we do not slow down and spend some time with our kids, get on the floor and play with some cars, throw the ball around, do something that they enjoy doing, we're going to look back on this and have regrets. It's not too late right now. Moms, I know that you are tired of diapers. I know that you're tired of being spit on and puked on. I know that you are just exhausted. And I know there's clothes and shoes laying around the house all the time. And you pick it up and then it's like a tornado hits 30 minutes later. Every time you pick up a shoe or pick up a pair of clothes, just encourage you to pray for your kids. Use that opportunity to pray for them. Because you will never get this time back. So be generous with your time. I promise I won't spend that, that much time on all these points. Point number two. Number two, generous with our possessions. John 6, 1 through 15. Feeding of the 5,000. So the little boy who gave everything he had to eat to Jesus so he could feed the people. Jesus' teaching and dinner time comes and goes, and the people are hungry. A boy has five loaves and two fish. He didn't have much, but what he has, he gave to God, and God made it enough. There may be someone here who would say, I don't have a lot, but I have a big living room, and I could host a life group. Or I don't have much to give, but God has given me a talent to utilize and bless others with. See, it's about us being generous with what we have. And God will take and use it and multiply it for his purposes. Number three, generous with our money. Luke 21, 1 through 4, we have the widow with two mites. 
not going to say a lot about this one, but the gist of the story is that this lady gave out of her need. To be a widow in this time meant that you had no other way of making money. If you were a widow back in the day, you had nothing. And if you didn't have kids, you had even more of nothing. Some people gave a portion of the vast amount of money they had. She gave all she had. Sometimes Jesus will have you give financially in a big way, and it doesn't make sense. And when you give generously with your money, God will honor that and bless that. I guarantee it. Number four, generous with our love. Acts 9, 20 through 31, Paul is rejected by the new church. Barnabas endorsed Paul after his salvation. Paul was against the church. He held people's coats while Christians were murdered and executed, and he was a part of that. On his way to do harm to the church one day, Paul was radically converted to Jesus, and his life changed forever. So he starts talking about wanting to meet with the top officials in the church, and they're not sure about him. They're like, Paul, that dude that was murdering and persecuting people, that guy? And Barnabas had a relationship with the established church leaders and befriended Paul, came along Paul's side. Then he sets up a meeting between the two. And because Barnabas was generous with his love, Paul became one of the greatest missionaries of all time. Remember, Jesus' love towards you is radical. Remember Jesus' radical love towards you. Now, maybe several years ago, maybe several decades ago, when you experienced a love that you've never experienced before. So who needs your radical love now? So they can possibly be restored to Jesus and other people. Listen, God's going to bring people in your life that are hard to love. And you're not going to be able to love them on your own strength, but God's going to give you the strength to love them the way they need to be loved. In conclusion, I want to conclude by talking about the mindset we have to fight against in order to be generous, and that is selfishness. Nobody likes a selfish person. Nobody likes being around a selfish person. Anybody know a person who keeps score? Don't point. People that say, I did this for you, so now you owe me. You owe me. You will be miserable if you live your life constantly taking score. Just remember everything that Jesus did for you. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own entrance, but also 
to the interests of others. 1 John 3.17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So let's go from here, intentional about fighting selfishness and being generous every day.